0: Good evening. I'm Kens, and I'm Alexis. Welcome to Spectral. Well, hello, everyone. Happy Hi. Friday.
1: Happy whatever day it may be when you listen to this.
0: That's true. We have gotten a lot of snow the past 10 days in Philly. At least three inches. So we were uh, finally able to use our snow shovel that we bought two years ago. That's true. Finally. I don't remember what episode we talked about it in. Maybe it was the snowman the snowman. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen
1: to it. Yeah, we could have made a snowman. But after recording that episode, we said we'll pass better not Be- better not <laughs> um we
0: are on drugs no <laughs> lack of sleep and i'm drinking a hot coffee for the first time where is it from it's from <laughs> <laughs> do you have to put me on blast just... right now it's from burger king guys okay
1: no it's another hot... hot
0: coffee <laughs> the king all right well i am desperate um we leave for our flight in like three hours yeah less than that actually and don't say that i'm not finished pack she didn't even start i'm not finished packing (laughs) i did start i did barely um is your stuff folded or rolled oh neither oh (laughs) great it's just heaped in there no. right now <laughs> it'll definitely sip um but i'm in i'm kind of enjoying this hot coffee i had i had to put four creams and four sugars in it and what size is it <laughs> oh a small <laughs> <laughs> it is a solid 12 ounces yep i'm the one drinking it and it is now palatable i really don't like coffee that much i drink it out of necessity what's the necessity to stay awake (laughs) (laughs) in case you're wondering alexis is still making her way through her farmers farmers almanac
1: i will never stop yeah i I learned so much i
0: was like you know what let me trim my hair before vacation (laughs) which i didn't (laughs) (laughs) and alexis was like um well actually according to the almanac you can only trim your hair it was like these two specific days
1: specifically to promote growth you could trim your hair any day, but it's not going to promote growth.
0: All right. So you yeah. heard it here first.
1: Yeah, and then we went through all of our um close friends and family's birthdays. No, we did not go through. <laughs> you went through. That's fair. Oh yeah, i, would, I say you're going to finish that statement. Oh yeah, or? we went through we went through all the birthdays and saw what, you know, whose birthday was the best day to do what, and that was really fun.
0: So many of them are like castrating your animals (laughs) yeah buying an animal Mm -hmm. yeah that was a big one or what was the other one that was really big pickling fermenting and sauerkrauting. that's it it was like sauerkraut a weird amount of fermenting yeah okay not weird for it's important to ferment i understand that but it was a weird amount that's so so rude even though this is alexis episode today hi i'm kind of taking over because we're thinking this is probably going to be two parts
1: one two where are you blue <laughs> so yeah. stupid and a shoe. I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> um
0: <I can't. laughs> so dumb. I'm fighting for my life right now. So you're fucking burning True. I have probably like two hours before um the sugar crashes and I'm in like a catatonic state. Great. So it
1: will be at the airport, maybe.
0: Can we just fucking
1: throw you through security?
0: No I I'm alright. You guys know we live in Philly philly tsa is no joke
1: that's just because they change their rules every day
0: literally constantly Like you'll be in one line they'll be like take your shoes off <laughs> and then like the next line they'll be like why your shoes off or they'll be like take your electronics out of the bag and then i'll be like don't take your like don't take your laptop out of the
1: bag yeah but then, if you just automatically go to do something because that's what you usually do, they also yell at you. So it's just—it's
0: so stressful, and I can't—I can't handle it. One time, it was out of Philly when they made us dump out all of our snacks. Yeah. That was shameful.
1: That was shameful. Yeah, I don't know why they were like, take
0: all your food out. And we were like loaded to the, because it was like a week long vacation. And we're like, oh, we'll save money and yeah. pack some snacks.
1: I think we had a layover too. So we were like, okay, we won't have to spend any money on our layover.
0: Yeah. So instead we just got shamed by TSA.
1: Yeah. He was like, why you guys have so much food? <laughs> we were like, because we're poor. <laughs> we're in college. college. <laughs> we're hungry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so
0: before we get into Alexis's, funky fresh episode banger of an episode i'm gonna talk about some astrology for like three minutes if you're not really into astrology it's not really you know your brand of woohoo just uh skip ahead like three minutes should be done by then or listen in and open your mind up to something new thank you alexis you're welcome um so a long-term change has finally happened and i am the most excited about it because finally everyone pluto has moved out of capricorn Yeah. And into Aquarius. Thank you, Pluto. And if you're still here, but you're not familiar with what that means, it's the start of a major karmic cycle, which only happens once a generation. And it it lasts around 15 to 18-ish years. And the past 15 years, we've been in the cycle of Capricorn.
1: And it's been hard.
0: Yeah, Capricorn is the embodiment of like the weary soul. So they are the paternal sign of the zodiac and are very much like the keep your head down and work sign which can lead to you know a strong foundation for success and every sign is valuable obviously but after a while you know you start to feel a bit burnt out and typically like a little hopeless hell yeah (laughs) because it is just very much a structured sign basically we've been in our like tired soul era and like I said great for teaching life lessons building strength establishing your comfort zone typically by the end of this cycle you have stronger familial bonds but it's also entirely draining and I feel like a lot of us probably feel that I feel it and you and I Alexis have been in this period for all of our formative years and early adulthood love it and I'm so excited to get out of it as am I to put this into perspective, we shifted into capricorn, like Pluto shifted into Capricorn the same year as the recession in 08 here in the US, 07, 08 shifted right around that time. And so it's just been a lot of building back up. But now all that hard work is about to pay off and uh, changes for the greater good are set to be made. Hopefully things are starting to feel a little bit better because Aquarius is the sign of forward thinking and prioritizing what's best for the masses kind of regardless of what authority or laws say. Whoa. Because we are the rebellious sign. Damn right. Of the Zodiac. Um. God bless my dad and stepmom because out of their five children, four of us are <laughs> Aquarians. So Godspeed. <laughs> Love bearing water. Love. That's all we do is just pour out water. <laughs> so to put this into better perspective, The last time we had Pluto in Aquarius was from 1778 to 1798. During this time, we had... Are you ready for this list?
1: Yeah, I'm wondering what you were doing, because I know you were alive during this time.
0: Yeah, I was, I think, in my mid-30s around this, so I don't know, probably just vibing.
1: You've aged well. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so during this 20-year period, we had the Revolutionary War here in America, the French Revolution, the Irish Uprising... The Anglo French War, War of Bavarian Succession, Revolt of the Cumineros, the 1782 Silent Uprising, Shays Rebellion, Lufthouse Rebellion, the Turkish Wars, Peasant Rebellions of Transylvania, the Brabant Revolution, the Liege Revolution, Saxon's Peasants' Revolt, the Haitian Revolution, White Lotus Rebellion, the Carousel Slave Revolt of 1795, and many, many more. I just highlighted kind of all the big ones. It does tend to be a time of chaos.
1: (laughs) It it certainly sounds like it. But it
0: pushes for needed change. It's kind of like a rebirth. So it's probably going to look worse before it gets better in terms of like societal advancements. But the goal is that by the end of this 20 year period, we'll be in a much more forward thinking, equitable society. We know America needs it. Looking at you, healthcare. Mm -hmm. So I mean, hold on, because the next, like I said, almost two decades. Will definitely push you out of your comfort zone in a lot of ways, but it's meant to pay off and enrich your life for the better. It's gonna look a little rough, but hopefully life for everybody is gonna get a little bit better. And if you don't know an Aquarius, it'll be a very unapologetic time. Love it. Yeah. And also Aquarians are the embodiment of weird. So
1: So true.
0: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, we're a it's little so weird. Okay. All right. <laughs>
1: that's, that's Just fun. kidding.
0: Um, so do we want? Who cares?
1: Yeah, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, just be you. Just it'll be fine. Let's try a new hobby.
0: Yeah, so that basically this is almost two decades is your era of not giving a fuck. Yeah, but in like a productive way, in like a kind way. That was my uh, soapbox. I feel like it definitely went over three minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> for anyone that forwarded three minutes ahead and gotten in the middle of this, really sorry. Love you. Your turn, Alexis.
1: So, hi. We're thinking this is going to be two parts. Uh, part one and part two. <laughs> oh, not one and three? Today, we are covering what's known as the curse of the pharaohs. Specifically, the curse of King Tut. Woo! King Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun. Yep. So, we'll go over King Tut's rule, the discovery of his tomb, all the spooky happenings that created the idea of a curse.
0: This is definitely for every person that was into Egyptian mythology. Egyptology. Egyptology during like their middle school years. Yeah. I mean, we were forced to in school, but yeah. I
1: wasn't, but I had all of those ology books and Mm -hmm. I
0: I loved every single one of them.
1: If you got those ology books, you're gay now. So congrats.
0: I I did see that. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt so called out (laughs) in my life. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's this like collection of books um, Egyptology, dragonology, I don't know, like, fairyology, but it was, like, all these different creatures and, like, history. Greek. They had, like, a Greek mythology one. Loved them. Was so excited to get one. And now there's all these things. And it's like, it's a bisexual starter pack. Yeah. And that's crazy
1: how accurate that is. I know. But we'll go through the facts. Um, I will let you know, you know, why everybody thinks that there is a curse. And then I'll let you know Whether or not I believe in the curse. And then I'll ask you, Mackenz, if you believe in the curse.
0: Okay. Can I ask, have your feeling, you don't have to like answer what you believe right now, but have your feelings changed from
1: like after researching? Yes and no. That's such a bad answer. I know. (laughs) That's such a bad answer. And the best part is that everybody else will have to wait until next week to know what we think it's true i mean
0: right now i fully
1: believe in the curse from that's what i've heard because you love to believe in things
0: i mean thank you that's that's a great compliment um but i do <laughs> that's not how i meant it that's okay i'll take it as a compliment but i do really it's very much like a fuck around and find out kind of situation in my personal opinion so <laughs> i believe in it but maybe you'll change my mind
1: maybe maybe it'll just strengthen your beliefs probably but let's go so King Tut, full name Tutankhamun, also known as the Boy King, ascended to power around 1333 BC at the age of 10. Oh, shit. I knew he was young. I didn't know 10. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's why they'd be calling him the Boy King because he is a boy. He is a child. <laughs> Still to this day. So after extensive genealogical testing in recent years, King Tut's father was confirmed to be King Akhenaten, and his mother is only known as Younger Lady.
0: That makes sense. That yeah, that checks out. That checks
1: out, yeah. King Akintaten and Younger Lady were confirmed to be siblings. Because, oh,
0: God. Yeah,
1: it was... That happened a lot. Well, yeah. Then, yeah. Keeping the bloodline pure. Y- yes and no. But historic... Historians... <laughs>
0: I don't know what's wrong with you. It's
1: because you're not having my Burger King bean water. <laughs> That's
0: not it. <laughs> it's doing me well.
1: <laughs> historic... <laughs> historians originally speculated that king tut's mother could have been nefertiti but that was quickly debunked through dna that's so upsetting she was a bad bitch she was a bad bitch she may have been his aunt but was not his mother
0: okay. you, you know what, that makes more sense honestly like the bad bitch
1: aunt that yeah. makes sense yeah uh since his parents were literally siblings king tut had a slew of suspected medical issues that were not well documented and were initially difficult to confirm after his death and discovery of his tomb. But scientists did not give up. And in recent times, they performed x-rays, CT scans, and DNA testing to add to what they found from his initial autopsy right after his discovery. He likely suffered from a congenital club foot and degenerative bone disease in his toes that made walking difficult. Oh, Yeah, they found over 100 um, walking sticks and canes in his tomb.
0: That makes me really sad. I
1: figured it would, yeah. <laughs>
0: oh i mean obviously because he was a pharaoh he he got some great care but that sucks
1: yeah he had a cleft palate a prominent overbite oh my god malformed hips suffered from a severe case of malaria at one point during his life was epileptic and severely broke his leg which never properly healed
0: i do know that one of those things is believed to have caused his death but i don't
1: Yeah, it's it's never officially confirmed, but they think it was either malaria because they found it so, they found so much of it in his bones or um, an infection from his broken leg.
0: Yeah, so what I know of anyway is that they for a long time believed it was an infection from the broken leg that never healed properly and it turned into this deep bone infection. But I'm pretty sure recently they have, obviously you can't 100% confirm it, but they much more leaned towards the malaria
1: argument because it was, like you said, so prominent throughout his body. Yeah. There was also a stint. They found um, that his skull was fractured and they thought maybe he was murdered. Maybe it was a blow to the head. But then they they realized that that was um, caused. That was after his death. It mm-hmm. was during the, the mummification process. All right. So when he ascended to the throne, King Tut married his bride, which was likely his sister.
0: Oh, God. They were like, you know what? Even though King Tut has a horrific amount of medical problems,
1: <laughs> let's just keep this going. Yeah. Let's see what happens next. Also, they were like, oh, you're 10? Okay, you could be king and get married. You got married at 10? Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. I, didn't, I thought, like,
1: at least 12, 14. But... No, that, why would you think that? That's too late. All right, well. His bride was pregnant twice, but sadly, one died in the womb, and the other likely died during birth. Probably because she was also a child. Yeah, probably. So during his rule, King Tut restored polytheism to Egyptian religion. This may have caused him to be worshipped as a deity during his life, which was usually a practice saved until after a king died. He basically used his short rule to undo a lot of what his dad did, which I absolutely understand. (laughs) (laughs) what I think is so funny. Rebellion King, love it. Sadly, King Tut died in 1323 BC at 19 years old, officially marking the end of the 18th century's bloodline. Historians suspect that King Tut died suddenly, likely caused by an illness or infection that we kind of touched on, especially considering his young age. In the first modern autopsy performed on his body, they found what we talked about already, and a healed lesion on his left cheek, another indication of his poor health and a very important detail for later. Okay. Left cheek. Left Left cheek. (laughs) Gotcha. He was buried with a shockingly well-preserved collar of flowers. And while it was common to find flowers in tombs, this was the first time historians saw exactly how the bodies were typically adorned.
0: Oh, wow. Because I guess up until this point, nothing was preserved this well
1: no nothing was or um people were stealing stuff so you know what you had your tomb robbers yeah going in throwing the flowers trying to get to the gold so for how well respected and well loved he was during his rule king tut's tomb was surprisingly small about 1200 square feet compared to those of kings before him in ancient egyptian culture there were 70 days between death and burial which was not enough time to construct and decorate a large tomb Usually they started working on it during the king's life, but because he had died so young and probably suddenly, they didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, that makes sense. They suspect that King Tut was laid to rest in a tomb originally meant for someone else. Scientists are also pretty sure King Tut died in the winter based on the types of flowers and fruits left in his tomb, as they were likely added at the end of that 70-day period and those fruits and flowers were in season mid-March to late-April.
0: Okay, I mean, that makes sense. And, I, and also, I wonder if that tomb wasn't originally for him, if that's part of the reason why he was preserved so well, because tomb robbers or whatever
1: wouldn't be able to find it as easy. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. During his mummification, and you probably know all the, all the details of oh, mummification. Oh, I do, but I'm, I'm, let's go over it. I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> but all internal organs are removed, Then they use a type of salt called natron to dry the body out completely. Though this was a great recipe for preservation, the salt also gave the bodies a shrunken and gaunt look. Ancient Egyptians believed that your soul, or your ka, needed to be able to recognize your body in the afterlife to return to it. So to counteract this shrunken look, they added different substances, usually resin, to fill in the deceased's face to make them look more plump and how they looked in life.
0: That's like very advanced, you'd think, for the, like you always, I I feel like you, we as society never really give credit.
1: Yeah, definitely. To
0: how advanced, because this was, that was 3,000 years ago, Mm -hmm. and
1: I would never be able to figure that out. No. Like, that's crazy. I don't know anything. (laughs) I have access, we have access to everything, and And I know nothing. I know nothing. nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I literally don't know anything. Okay, you're ready to hear something really sad?
0: Oh, God. I thought we were going to go into the brain hook. No.
1: No, we're, we're, we're done with that. Unless, do you have anything you want to add? Brain hook?
0: I mean, I'm sure everyone knows, but that they would take, they would remove the brain using, it kind of looks like a crochet hook, honestly. Back to crocheting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they would just stick it up their nose, mm-hmm. swirl it around a little to break up the brain. That's true. And then just start pulling chunks out through the nostrils. Chunks of brain. Chunks of brain. I yeah. feel
1: like I lose chunks of my brain when I sneeze really hard. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> oh my God i feel like you might have to go to a doctor Maybe. if that's how you feel but you know i sneeze like a dad
0: i sneeze really hard like five times in a row i know she gets like two bless yous and then i'm like did you take an allergy
1: pill today and the answer is always yes no it's not so when they opened the tomb they found two little wooden boxes in the tomb's treasury king tut wanted to be buried near his lost children oh my god i know These are really the only well-documented mummified fetuses. It was a very uncommon practice, so it was probably something he asked for explicitly.
0: That destroys my soul. I know.
1: And I don't think he knew he was going to die so young. He was probably just like, you know, whenever I go, I want them to be near me. And they were.
0: That's so sweet. I know. Wow. Yeah. Especially because he was like a teenage boy when he made that request. (laughs) Like... I mean, I guess, obviously, you have to mature a lot faster when you're king at the age of 10 with a wife.
1: Yeah. But still. So during this time, kings were laid to rest in an area across the Nile called the Valley of the Kings. Pharaohs were buried here. Buried. (laughs) They were buried. (laughs) Pharaohs were buried here from the 16th to the 11th century BC. When King Tut's tomb was discovered, it was the first tomb found that was nearly untouched. It contained over 5,300 relics and artifacts. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they were like, hey, um, sorry, King, this room was a little small, but it's going to be fucking packed.
0: Honestly. And I mean, I am thinking like from the ar- 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 archaeology, <laughs> <laughs> from the archaeology, Is that how you say that? <laughs> Why am I having... Archaeology. Yeah. Archaeology. Yeah. From the archaeologist standpoint. Archaeologist. <laughs> see? See, you can't say it either. Archaeologist. The archaeologist standpoint. Mm-hmm. That really must have been a literal gold mine. Yeah. Like, just think about everything you can learn.
1: Yeah. So there were a few signs that the tomb was robbed a few months after King Tut's death, but the majority of the tomb's integrity was intact. There were really only a couple of things that could tell were missing, things like perfumes and oils, things that probably sold for a lot then, but a lot of it was still very much there and in place. Okay. So the tomb was probably so well preserved and protected because it was hidden by debris that fell as other tombs were built nearby. And the entrance was almost completely obstructed as workers' homes were also constructed nearby. So we basically just got lucky with this. Wow.
0: And did we know we knew the existence of him right before I we believe discovered so. him. So yeah. it was just like kind of matching. I mean, because obviously a 19 year old body with a club foot is going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty obvious mm-hmm. as who it is. But
1: OK. So the tomb was first discovered in 1915. They were like, hey, there's a tomb here. But it was sealed until November 29th, 1922. The man credited with its unsealing was Howard Carter, a British archaeologist and Egyptologist. Egyptologist. <laughs> Why did you just
0: always <laughs> Because that's such a cool title. Really?
1: Yeah, an Egyptologist. So a little background about Carter. In 1907... Carter began working with financier and benefactor. This is a really long name. Lord George Edward Stanhope Molyneux Herbert, the Earl of Carnarvon. Carnarvon. A... Carnarvon. That name just kept going.
0: It, it just kept going. I, I was like, oh, okay, we're done. And, no. then, <laughs> and
1: then we got to the Earl, and I was like, yeah. hey, we are not. He will be another important player in our story. Okay. These two have a very established business relationship. So Lord Carnarvon chose Carter to head the search for untouched tombs in 1915. When Carter found what seemed to be a cluster of potentially untouched tombs, they immediately wanted to start excavation. But a little thing called um, World War I kind of got in the way of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that uh, it was probably a global inconvenience. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Egypt, not that far from Europe, so makes sense. That's true. So they weren't able to produce any results during the war, and Lord Carnarvon was tired of funding these trips. So he told Carter that 1922 would be their last year searching in the Valley of Kings. Lo and behold, November 4th, 1922, Carter discovered a flight of steps cut into bedrock that led to a stamped doorway. He recognized to be the sign of Kings, so he sent Lord Carnarvon a telegram that said, At last, we have made a wonderful discovery. Wow, that's
0: i guess pretty lucky yeah for right now anyway a
1: few weeks later lord carnavon arrived in egypt with his daughter lady evelyn
0: that is so cute is she young
1: she's like a preteen
0: okay that's still really cute i was picturing like a
1: three-year-old but yeah that's still cute. no they went straight to the discovery removed the door and found the corridor leading to the tomb and the door to the tomb itself they chiseled at the door until Carter was able to see some of the treasures inside, which finally confirmed that they found an unearthed tomb.
0: Wow. Imagine that moment. Like, I. Yeah. Bottling that feeling. Yeah. Wow.
1: To buy the rights to excavation, Lord Carnavon had to agree that if his team found anything of value, which obviously they did, a representative from the Egyptian Department of Antiquities needed to be present during the official unsealing of the tomb. But Lord Carnarvon, kind of just, he just did whatever he wanted.
0: That sounds about right, yeah. honestly. I feel like anyone with 15 names doesn't really give a fuck about tradition. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're just like, you know what? I got, I have 15 names. I can yeah, do what I want. It's so
1: true. I'm a lord and an earl. Bitch. Yeah, that's,
0: I'm, I'm Lord Earl.
1: <laughs> they secured the tomb and contacted the department to schedule a representative for the next day. But instead of exercising patience which is important, Lord Carnavon, Lady Evelyn, and Carter returned later that night for a little sneak peek of the tomb. They made an unauthorized visit and became the first people in modern times to enter King Tut's tomb.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I kind of get it, honestly. Of course you do. Like, as long as you didn't, I mean, I don't know what happens, but I wouldn't, like, touch anything, but being able to just say that. That's fair that's that's awesome
1: um and i will say i read somewhere that they basically were able to find like a small ish hole and carter and lady evelyn were able to squeeze in and get in but um lord Carnavon was too fat so he could only like put his face up to it and be like wow it looks cool guys oh yeah he's
0: uh, Thickums mcgee that's all
1: yeah he he's a lord he's living that I life <laughs> yeah he's lord earl
0: yeah of 15 names
1: So the next day, they all return with the rep from the Department of Antiquities and officially unseal the tomb. As I mentioned before, the tomb is virtually untouched and contained over 5,000 artifacts. This is when the happenings of the quote-unquote curse begin. It does have kind of a strange, symbolic beginning, so just hang in with me. What? Hang in there with me. We're hanging in. So after a long and exciting day of excavating... Carter goes back home and notices his pet canary is missing. Canary? Yeah. Okay. Usually, you know, his little bird friend greets him and he gets home. That didn't happen. So he gets closer to the canary's cage to inspect it. And he realizes instead of his canary, there's a cobra in there. What? Yeah. And the cobra ate his canary. That is so... Like I I
0: thought you were going to say the canary was dead, which um, being from a coal mining town was already like if your canary dies then you're going to die. Well, it's a sign that you need to be careful. Yeah. But a cobra ate it. How did it even get
1: into the cage? You slithered in. I mean, I guess, but all right. Yeah. I don't know how Carter responded to seeing a cobra in his canary's cage, but I would just be screaming. I would just I would just I would just never stop screaming.
0: <laughs> I would just eat the whole cage. <laughs> I was like That's birds fair. already gone. I would just
1: that's true. What if the cobra falls out? It got I mean, I guess somehow. that's true.
0: I I think I I don't really know the size of a cobra. Yeah. I mean, I am. They're the ones that are usually like in stereotypical like baskets, right? Yeah. yeah so I guess they are smaller. I was picturing like a bigger snake. So it's, which a it was like, how did it get in the cage? B I was like, obviously it'll be stuck in there. But I guess you're right. It could just if you you got in. It can get out. Yeah. You were picturing like an anaconda. Okay, not an anaconda. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. <laughs> but like like a ball python like something closer
1: to that yeah so carter you know mourns his canary don't know what he did with the snake but he goes back to work the next day starts casually telling his colleagues fellow excavators this story his egyptian colleagues just start staring at him with wide eyes in egyptian culture cobras symbolize the monarchy To them, since he was the one who discovered the tomb, this was a sign of the royal cobra entering Carter's home, searching for revenge. Seems pretty mild overall, but to the Egyptians on the scene, this was the start of something evil, and it was aimed directly at Carter.
0: My God. So the canary itself didn't really matter. It was the fact that a cobra entered his home.
1: Yeah. He had been in Egypt for... At least ten years at this point, and that's never happened. Never happened. That's that is freaky. That is freaky. This might be a good a good spot to end. You think? A little, little cliffhanger. A little, little taste. Yeah, but I I will give you a little um. What is the word? Teaser. Yes. The rest of our curse happenings include fire, floods, and a lot of deaths.
0: Sounds like Revelations, honestly.
1: There might even be some uh pestilence. There's not oh okay <laughs> i was like damn
0: we're talking like apocalyptic four horsemen or if you know the story of ramses yeah and all of the plagues that hit many that's such that's so egyptian plagues mm-hmm. yeah it is
1: huh but we also may see um sir arthur conan doyle really part two
0: we might yeah okay we we might just throwing that name out there just throwing it just you know how funny would it be if you... If we don't. <laughs> like, you, you literally just, like, pulled a name from yeah, there. That'd so funny. Okay, so with that, uh, follow us on Instagram at... The Spectral Pod. We'll post pics. If you love us or don't love us but love the show, Ooh. leave us a review and a rating Yeah, on whatever platform you listen on. R&R, baby. Oh, yeah, an R&R. So good night sleep tight and don't let the cobras bite oh Right, testing one, two, testing one, two. No, please. <laughs> I need you to be normal. We're on a tight schedule.
1: Testing four, five. Why is my voice so deep? I don't know. Just keep going. How's everybody doing? How's I it am fragile. Happen? How's everybody
0: <laughs> you what I said. I am fragile. <laughs> I'm going to talk about some astrology for like three minutes.
1: Let's go to the stars. Okay, so... That was so scary. Yes, no, yeah, no it. it
0: was. It was absolutely horrifying. I was
1: channeling like a happy gremlin. You know what? You did that anyway. Okay. King Akhenaten. That's not how I said it the first time. <laughs> Akhenaten. How do you say it? How did I say it? The first time? I don't know. You said it the first time. Akhenaten. King Akhenaten and younger Later. <laughs> <laughs> younger later. <laughs> I'm just